Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, only about 13 minutes each day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word and thereby helping us to stay strong in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. But it also helps keep us focused on a relationship with God, on our soul's salvation, and to have a more spiritual mindset to be able to deal with the rigors of life every day. You know people in your life, don't you, who need to grow in their faith, who need to come to God, who need to turn their lives around, people who need to be saved? Help them by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. With your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally, literally everybody you can every day. And you may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be for them. But it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're moving along in our line of thought and study, talking about some things that are not in the Bible, even though they're taught by a whole lot of supposed gospel preachers in pulpits, and they are repeated by a whole lot of people who have believed these things, and they're telling other people these same things about how to be saved or how to be a faithful Christian, but these things are simply not in the Bible. Well, A couple of those that we looked at early on are what a whole lot of people and a whole lot of preachers say in one way or another in response to somebody wanting to know, what do I need to do to be saved? And so some will say, well, just accept Jesus as your personal Savior. That's not the answer ever given in the New Testament. Others will say something along the line, just ask Jesus into your heart. (laughs) You won't find that in the New Testament scriptures either. In response to the question, what do I need to do to be saved? Just accept Jesus as your personal Savior. He is our Savior, but you have to come to recognize that and believe it, yes, but then you've got to do something else. You've got to obey his teachings as to the gospel plan of salvation. And just ask Jesus into your heart, again, nobody listed in the scriptures, asking that question, what do I need to do to be saved, was ever told that. It's just not in the Bible. Obedience goes with saving faith. In fact, it is central, a central part or aspect of saving faith. Well, some others we looked at. Nowhere in the Bible is there a command or an example for a church to set a day that's convenient for the church to schedule everybody who wants to be baptized, who have said that over the last few weeks or months, that they want to be baptized to schedule a certain baptismal service day. That's not what the scriptures teach. You never find that as an example of any congregation of the Lord's church in the New Testament practicing such a, a, a thing. Because baptism is the point at which we're forgiven of our sins. Baptism is the point at which we come into Christ. Baptism is the point at which we come into salvation in Christ. So you don't want to put it off for three or four weeks. Again, that's totally made up by man. What about faith-only salvation? whole lot of churches teach that. whole lot of people who have been taught that are telling other people that. You just got to believe. That's all you need to do is just believe in Jesus. Cheap grace is what that's really teaching. 
And that's not in the scriptures anywhere. But we're told that Jesus is going to come back in the final day of judgment, and he is going to take vengeance on those who, have, who do not know God and upon those who have not obeyed the gospel, who have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Jesus learned obedience in his physical life, Hebrews 5 and verse 8, and the next verse says he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. We must be obedient to God's teachings if we want God's blessing of salvation. What about sprinkling? Is that really baptism? Not going to find that in the New Testament scriptures anywhere. You're not going to find anywhere where Jesus or an apostle or a gospel preacher sprinkled somebody and called it baptism. Not going to find it. It's not there. Baptism is a burial. That's what the word means, burial. We're buried with him in baptism. Colossians 2 and verse 12. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. And no babies were ever baptized in the New Testament scriptures because a person has to believe repent of their sins in order to be baptized. Baby can't do any of that. Baby's not guilty. Baby is as pure and innocent as a human being can be until they're come to of age and understand and are baptized into Christ. They're not guilty of sin. They're completely innocent. Ezekiel chapter 18 says, the soul that sins shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. The father shall not bear the iniquity of the son. You don't find babies being baptized in the New Testament. And also you don't find God choosing some people to be baptized, whether they want to, or rather to be saved, whether they want to be saved or not. That idea of predestination is not in the scriptures. For being foreordained, whether you want to be, whether you want to be saved or not, that's not there. That would make God capricious. He would be choosing some people to be saved and some people to be lost, whether they want to or not. In either case, you don't find that in the scriptures. But Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, let's look at another popular one that's taught by a whole lot of preachers and believed by a whole lot of people who believe they're Christians, and that's the rapture. I remember sitting in a lectureship one time many years ago, and it was during a question and answer session, and there were many hundreds of Christians there in the audience. And somebody asked the host at that time, the one who who was taking the questions and answering them from Scripture, said, what is the rapture? He responded immediately. He said, a figment of man's imagination. (laughs) And you know what? That's exactly right. You don't ever find the word rapture in the scriptures. Did you know that? Did you realize that? It's just not there. And the idea that the rapture is, is supposed to be when Jesus comes back to this earth and sets up his kingdom on the throne, on the throne of David in Jerusalem and establishes a spiritual kingdom in the face of this earth. You don't find that in the scriptures, just not there. But when we look at at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, we read this, 
And this is talking about the day that Jesus comes back. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, that is, some of your fellow Christians who have died physically, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, those who are already dead, but they died faithful to Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And notice this, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That doctrine of the rapture is made up by, by men. It's not in the scriptures. Nowhere. Well, interesting, isn't it? Interesting. We could look at a whole lot of other things that are taught and practiced as though they were Bible that simply are not in the Scriptures. Not in the Scriptures. One that catches a whole lot of people totally by surprise is when you ask them the question, where do you get scriptural authority for using instrumental music and choirs? in the worship services of the church? They're dumbfounded. They're speechless. They've seen it all their lives. They've been where it's been practiced. They have no idea that it's not in the Scriptures, not in the New Testament Scriptures. You never see an example of a New Testament church, a Christian church, using instrumental music or choirs in the worship service before God. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody, where? Not on a piano, not on an organ, not on uh, a drum or a guitar, but singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. But you see, speaking to one another how can, how can that be fulfilled by a choir singing while I'm sitting there listening? And then Colossians 3 and verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We're to teach one another, we're to speak to one another, we're to admonish one another through the words of those songs. But if I'm sitting there just listening to a choir sing, I'm not doing that. I'm not fulfilling those instructions in Scripture. And singing, making melody in your heart, the fruit of your lips, as the Hebrews writer puts it in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12, never mentions any mechanical instrument of music. Never. You never see a New Testament church playing any mechanical instrument of music 
in worship to God. You never see the choir singing while the rest of the congregation sits there and listens. Just not in the scriptures. And yet it's practiced by most churches that call themselves Christian. Interesting, isn't it? But it's not in the Bible. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us your word to guide us. Help us to be dedicated to simply follow your word. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else as to how you want us to come to you through Jesus, how you want us to live the Christian life, how you want us to worship you as God the Father. Help people to see your truth your will for their lives, and help them to be obedient, Father. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.